Bible, turn to Nehemiah chapter number 1 and chapter number 2, page 541, if you got a King James Schofield Bible. Amen? Nehemiah chapter number 1, we'll begin reading verse number 11, and we'll just go right on into chapter number 2. <clears throat> you find your places, stand together one more time as we read these verses. Nehemiah chapter number 1, verse number 11. Let me just make mention of this again. I want to remind you, and I'll try to remind you for the next two or three weeks. Uh, if, if we have small children going to the restroom, of course, let's try to do this before service if we can or between Sunday school, but if you got small children going to the restroom, parents, be sure to go with them and uh, let's keep them safe. All right, Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse number 11. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attended to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servant who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. And it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes, the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, why is thy countenance sad? Sin, thou art not sick. This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid. Let me just stop here and just say this. Servants never come before the king sad. They could be put to death on the spot. I was sore afraid. And said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, what dost thou make request? So I pray to the God of heaven. Brother Scott, would you lead us to a throne of grace? Amen. You can be seated. We began a series last week on entitled Greater Things. And we seen in chapter 1 as Nehemiah was given a vision. God allowed him to see some things he wanted him to do. 
We looked last week of what do you do between the time God gives a vision to the time it actually takes place or what do you do in the waiting. We looked last week and seen Nehemiah did three things. Number one, he prayed. Number two, he planned. And number two, he prepared. So this week, however, we want to move a little further. With this thought in mind, a God that works behind the scenes. <coughs> Someone has said life without a vision will ultimately end up in regret. And I say amen. But living with a vision, especially a spiritual vision of what God wants to do, will allow you to see some things that you ordinarily would never see. It will build confidence in your life. I mean, it'll be like, wow, I see God there. And it changes the way you look at the whole of your entire Christian life. We find that God gives a vision, however. Don't miss this. A God-given vision will always be outside the realm of possibility. You say, out of the realm of possibility? Yes. A possibility for you and I to do on our own. A God-given vision will always be that impossible that apart from him, that you could not possibly do it. Has the ideal of God saying, here's the man. Nehemiah is a slave. He's a cupbearer. He has no means. He has no money. Not only that, but why would the king want to rebuild this city? Why would the king want to rebuild walls that may one day keep him out. What benefit would there be for this king to build this wall at all? And we find that when God gives a, a, a God-given vision, it will do some things. And our great struggle is this. And the great struggle is God designed it that way. Because if it's possible in the strength of ourselves, then we don't need him. But then God gives a God-given vision that you cannot possibly do it yourself. And in the midst of that, God says, okay, I designed it that way. And we struggle with that, do we not? Those kind of things moves us into the realm of struggling. I find it interesting Here's a man that cannot possibly accomplish what needs to be accomplished in his own strength. And many times, God, as you and I, if we choose to grow in the things of God, he will bring us to those things that you and I cannot accomplish in our own strength. He will bring those impossibilities that you might see his accomplishments, and his possibility. 
That's what he's wanting them to see here. I love this verse. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. I love that verse. But can I help you? That's a hard verse to live. That verse says this. That there's nothing outside of the realm of God. And he says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. If you'll abide in me. He says, you can do anything. But without me, ye can do nothing. So God comes on. There's three things. Three things for us to see a God that works behind the scenes. I wished I had the time to tell you the many hundreds of times. One of, one of me and Miss Stein's greatest discussions is this, is down through the years how we have seen God do things that were totally impossible. And we have seen him work behind the scenes. And when it comes to pass, you say, wow, what a God, what a God we serve. (coughs) I cannot tell you the times that God has protected us from some things. That would have been to our destruction or even the destruction of our church. But God, working behind the scenes, fixed it and moved in such a way that literally it brought no destruction. And it's only afterwards you look back and you say, wow, that was God. Man, what a God we serve. Did you see that? God was there. God did that. And it's amazing how God does that. Three things here tonight and we'll be done. Number one, and all how, if you get this one, it'll change your life. How many of you heard this? I think every message will change your life. How many? Agree. I think every message will change your life. But this message will really change your life. Are you listening? Number one, accept, don't miss, accept that God uses your circumstances, whether good or bad. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attended to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of the servants who desire to fear thy name. And prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. And the greatest statement that Nehemiah makes was this, for I was the king's cupbearer. Now, we read that, and that doesn't resonate with us how great a thing that statement is. But let me take you back to that era. In that day, kings 
were terrified of being assassinated. So when the king was in his throne room, they would be guards lined up on both sides of the king down a long corridor. And if anybody, any person, approached that corridor, the first soldiers would say, watch your business. I need to see the king. You don't have an appointment to see the king. You're not going to get to see the king. And there wasn't but two or three people in the kingdom that could approach the king at even in at any given time. The queen could. And as he would she would approach the king, he would do something. He had a long pole with this it was called a sepulcher. He would stick that sepulcher out to her and and, and literally what he was doing, she, by coming in, is under the penalty of death. If he doesn't take that sepulcher and do this, he holds the sepulcher here. In a moment's time, they'll put a bag on her head and she'll be taken out the back and executed. No questions asked. But he would extend that and she would touch it and she was given access to the king. His right hand people were allowed the same conditions. But there was one that never had to do that. He got access into the king three to four times a day. Every time a meal was brought to him, this man came. This man was the cupbearer. And before the king would drink, he would do that. And if he did, ah, then he's, then he's dead. And the king knew somebody would poison him. I'm not going to go into details, but in the book of Daniel, uh, not, not Daniel, but Joseph, the baker and the butler, one of them tried to poison the king. Guess how the king figured that out? The cupbearer kicked the bucket. His taster died. He figured out somebody's trying to poison him. So the cupbearer would be there three to four times every day with the king. The one person that would become one of the king's best friends was the cupbearer. You say, what's the big deal? Here is God working in the background, behind the scenes. Nehemiah's going to go build the walls. He needs some timber. He needs letters. He needs some money. He needs the power to get it done. And here's a man that's been given a position. The circumstances puts him to the only man in a nation at that time that could do that. And that was the king. Wow. How God works behind the scenes. Nobody 
had the position that Nehemiah had. And God orchestrated that all behind the scenes. Perhaps Nehemiah started out as a regular slave. <coughs> One day a job open come open. And someone said, boy, the king needs a cupbearer. Well, there's, there's a boy down there. He's been faithful. Uh, let's give him a try. Hey, Nehemiah, come on up here. The king needs a cupbearer. And, and he had to go in. And the king had to like him and all this kind of stuff. What I want you to understand is this. God is all except that God uses your circumstances. They may, not, they may seem strange. As a matter of fact, he may not like being a cupbearer. I read in the Word of God, and, 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 I, and I love this. I love this. One day, uh, God gives Joseph a, a dream. And uh, he said, now, now, Joseph, in the dream, everybody's going to be bowing to you, and daddy and mama's going to be bowing to you. Behold it. Between the bowing and the dream, God puts him in a pit. His brothers are sitting at the top of the hill eating a sandwich while he's in the pit. He puts him in Potiphar's. He sold him. How's this got to do with my dream? He's in Potiphar's house. He's in prison. You say, How? Where, where's God in all that? And the Bible says, And the Lord was with him. What did he learn in the pit? He learned not to trust men for what only God can do. What did he learn in Potiphar's house? He learned to be a whiz at economics. He learned to handle the, the affairs of this great man. This man had a lot of possessions. He learned to deal. He learned to handle this man's house and do it very, very well. Hey, what do you learn in prison? There's somebody going to have a dream in prison. And it's all of those circumstances that gets Joseph to the palace one day. God accept that God works the circumstances behind the scenes. 1989, 1989, I, my pastor took me to pastor school. And to be honest, I was very disgruntled with church. I was very disappointed with all of Christianity. I had made up my mind I was going to make money until he took me to pastor school. I had surrendered to preach. I hadn't thought about preaching. I didn't want to be a preacher. People didn't like preachers. And I wanted to make money. But in 1989, my pastor at that time took me to pastor school. God changed my life. And honestly, coming back up the road, he said, you know, that wasn't a very good pastor school. And I'm sitting here thinking, my gosh, man, he changed my life. God working behind the scenes. I, I, told, I told a young man this morning, had God, had that time not taken place, it's very doubtful that I'd be a pastor of this church. 
It's very doubtful I'd be in a pastor at all. But God working behind the scenes. And God's always working behind the scenes. I love this. Who would have known that this young man's going back into the Marines on December the 3rd? In it, praise God you come like Sunday. God working behind the scenes to have you here and being saved by God's grace. So when you go back in the Marines, you go back as a saved Marine. So God always works behind the scenes. Isn't it amazing how God does that? We find God's always doing that. As a matter of fact, David comes to the king. And he, his daddy said, now, now David said, uh, so I, I, I want you to take the boys some uh, fried chicken and some food. And I want you to take, take your brother some food. And I want you to check on the battle. So he goes to deliver some food to his brothers. And while he's there, there's a giant out there cussing his God and cussing the nation. And all of a sudden, David says, who's that out there cussing? Who's out there blaspheming my God? Who's, who's bad-mouthing my God? Then he asked the question, what, what's going to be given the man that whoops that giant? Now, now, now this would be worth the fight right there. He said, the man says he's going to give you his daughter. Hope she was pretty. But he said something else. He said, You'll never, you'll never have to pay taxes again. Praise God, that's enough to fight the giant and take a whooping, ain't it? He said, You never have to pay taxes again. He's going to reward him. And David said, Okay, where's that? So he goes to talk to, to, to Saul. And Saul says, Hey, you lunch, you can't fight. He's a man of war. And here's why David could say, I whip that giant. He said, one day, Saul, I heard something rustling in the bushes. And I seen a lion pounce on my sheep. And I went out there and I grabbed hold of that lion and ripped him apart. Really? Yes, sir. I had line chops out of him that night. He said, King, he said, I heard something coming through the bushes. I heard something very loud. And it was big. And it was a bear. And David didn't do like others, shoot a bear out of a tree, you know, like that. Poor bear didn't have a chance. Michael knows what I'm talking about. David went out there, grabbed hold of that bear, and ripped it apart. Now, on the surface, those things wouldn't have made a bit of difference to nobody except God giving the strength to defeat the lion and giving the strength to defeat the bear. So when the giant come along, he said, it's just like the bear and the lion. He said, let me go after him. I'll take him out. You know why you need to accept God's circumstances? Because God might have you in a circumstance that gives you not the victory today, but for the giant that you face next week. Let me tell you why 
to not. And, 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 and it's as a pastor, this breaks my heart. Some of the neediest people in our church are not here tonight. I wish they were. You know why it's so important for you to be in the house of God? You know why that is? Because tonight you might just get a word that right now you don't need. I mean, everything's going pretty good. I mean, you and the wife's getting along, you're not fighting, but tomorrow you might be in a knockdown drag out. Next week, you might get news. I got cancer. But you got confidence tonight to see that God works in the circumstances. And when the news comes next week, you don't fall apart because you say, God works in my circumstances. But those that are not here, when they get the news... They're on their own. And that's sad. They'll probably collapse to it. What I want you to understand is we need to, we love this verse. And now, I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you believe this? For we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. How many of you believe that verse? Really? Can I ask you a question? How many of you believe that's an easy verse to live? Nope, that's not an easy one to live. I believe it with all my heart. But if I believe that, if I believe that verse, then I have to believe and accept that God works all the circumstances in my life for his glory. I've got to accept God's working in the background that he uses the circumstances that he sends my way. Number two, it gets, it gets a little tougher. I have to acknowledge that he is in control. He came to pass in the month Nisan in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king that wine was before him. And I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Here's what he's saying. The burden had gotten so great in the heart of Nehemiah, he could no longer keep it. He could no longer fake it. He could no longer keep it off of his face. And he's going to have to trust because the king says, why are you sad? Now you're not sick. You ain't been coughing and snorting and carrying on. I know you're not sick. Why are you sad? This is nothing more than sorrow of heart. And the Bible says that Nehemiah was sore Afraid. The word sore afraid means he was terrified. And you need to understand something. If God's not in control right here, then Artaxerxes, the king, can say, remove him. And without hesitation, 
they would have put a bag on his head and rushed him out and he would have been executed in the next minute or two without question. But you see, God's in control. And what does God use? Number one, God uses the sadness of Nehemiah. What an unusual thing to use. Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Why? He uses the sadness. And Nehemiah comes back, and I love this. He says, why should my countenance not be sad? Now, I want you to listen to his answer. The city, the place where I buried my daddy and my mama lies in waste. Let me show you the, the wisdom of that answer. In that era, in that culture, kings made a big deal out of where you buried your family. It was a big deal. Really big deal. Nehemiah doesn't say Jerusalem has been crushed. The walls of Jerusalem. He don't mention that. He says the land where I buried my daddy and mama. The gates are destroyed and the land lies in waste. And he says, King, it breaks my heart. And that king could relate to that. And God, we've got to acknowledge that God is in control. He used the sadness of Nehemiah, but he used the sensitivity of the king. King said, he said, why are you so sad? And the Bible says, the Bible says, and as a matter of fact, this wasn't the first time this is done. In Esther 4.2, and came even before the king's gate. For none might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. You couldn't come to the king sad or mourning. <coughs> but God is in control of this thing. And oh my goodness, what a great day. What a great day is in your Christian life when you can acknowledge that God is in control. You got to, first of all, accept. He uses the circumstances, but then you got to acknowledge his control. Not only that, but he used, he shared his heart. The king said to me, what, for what dost thou make request? In other words, I love this. He said, well, Nehemiah, and, and, and you've got to understand, this culture, this never happened. Never. But does here, and the king said, the most powerful man of that day said, Nehemiah, what do you want me to do for you, son? What can I do for you? What would you Nehemiah, what would you like me to do? Whoa. God's in charge. And you know what he did? He said, so I prayed to the God of heaven. Why didn't Nehemiah pray? God helped me to, to answer the king right. 
He said, King, Proverbs 21.1 said, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turns it wheresoever he will. This king had a reputation of never being swayed or changed. His reputation was you could not change this king's mind. But guess what? God did. God did. I love that. Eight times in the book of Nehemiah, he prays spontaneously. And then number three, accept that God uses your circumstances. Number two, acknowledge God is in control. And number three, realize God will give you the abilities in the midst of your circumstances to handle all the circumstances the right way. I want you to notice the conversation that he does. He never mentions the city. (coughs) He said, If it please the king, and the servant have found favor in thy sight. Notice what he didn't say. King, Jerusalem's a mess, and I need to go fix it. He didn't do that. This is what he said. If it pleased the king, and the servant of found favor in thy sight, that I will send me into Judah to the city of my father's sepulchre, that I may build it. What a great example. He doesn't demand anything. He says, King, this is what I'd like to do. I'd like to go back and rebuild the city. And I love this. He didn't say, I got a commission from the Lord to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going whether you like it or not. He didn't do that. But he said, he said, King, he said, I'd like to go back to the city to my father's sepulcher, and I'd like to rebuild the city. And by the way, King, I need some letters that gives me authority to do that. Oh, by the way, King, I need some timber and lumber to, to, to do it. And King, I need you to change my name. A title. I, I don't want to go as a cupbearer. I want to go as a governor. And you know what the king does? Because God is in control, he gives him everything he asks for. In the midst of our circumstances, God will give us the ability if we accept that he's in control of the circumstances. If we acknowledge he's in control, when you do those two things, immediately God opens up his world and gives us the ability to handle those things that ordinarily would crush us. And not only that, he allows you to be able to do the impossible. Daniel done this, same approach when he approached uh, Pharaoh, same, Daniel approached this king the same way, in the same way. Here tonight, God is always working in behind the scenes. There's a lot of things I'm looking for God to do next year. Now here's where we miss up. We know the what. I know what some things that God needs to do. But here's what I don't know. I don't know the how. Nehemiah knew the what. I need to go back and rebuild the walls. I need to build the city. I need to put the gates back. He knew the what. But here's what he didn't know was the how.
Here's where we mess up. We get to concentrating on the how instead of staying concentrating on the what. What we need to do is stay concentrating on the what we need God to do and then believe him for the how. I'm looking for God to do some things. I don't know how we're going to do it. I really don't know the how, but I know the what. And so I'm going to believe God to work behind the scenes with the what. And then in time, when it comes to time, he'll show us the how. One illustration. It's a simple one. How long did we talk about this ceiling here before we fixed it? <coughs> three years. Two and a half, three years. The ceiling was falling. And we knew we needed to fix it. It's coming apart in the middle, and we knew we knew we need to fix it. We knew the what, but guess what? We didn't know the how. But when God, working behind the scenes, brought about the how, then guess what? It just worked and got done. But we had to wait on the how. We knew what the what was. We knew what we needed to do, but we just couldn't do it. And then God brought us to the. How many of you have a what you want God to do? A what? You say, well, I, I know what I want God to do. Okay. How many of you know the how to do it? That's what we got to believe God working in the behind the scenes to bring the how. Nehemiah knew the what, but he just didn't know the how. And any time we have a God-given vision, you're going to know the what, but it's, you won't know the how until God sees fit to bring the how to you. God's going to give him the how to do it, but he had to realize God works behind the scenes, and he works behind the scenes. Hey, by the way, just like TJ, I didn't know he was going to the Marines next week. I had no idea. I, I didn't know him before last Sunday. But isn't it amazing? God working behind the scenes. Now, how did DJ got here? Because Walter came and got saved. Had Walter not come, then there's a good chance DJ would have never come. But Walter came, got saved seven weeks ago. Then DJ came. Who would have ever dreamed that last week was his time and opportunity to trust Christ because we don't know what the future holds. But God does. Here tonight, you're not here by chance. You're here on purpose. And God might be just running you right through here to save you for his glory. And it might be some of you are so hung up on a what, on a how, that you've forgotten to trust God with the what. So I was tender of faith.